Well, welcome to this special edition of the Robin Walters Show. I'm listening to my the, the lead-in song here. It started out this morning as usual way. Well, yesterday morning when we recorded yesterday's broadcast, it started out the usual way, did it not? And no sooner did that program get packaged, bundled, and shipped off than the Supreme Court decision came out. I'm not sorry about that timing because I'm not sure all what I would have had to say other than praise the Lord. But it is time and appropriate to have a special program today and podcast dealing with Roe v. Wade and the fallout, my sense and perspective on this, which we want to cover. It's not going to be the typical length program. It's going to be much shorter. Focus just on this subject because there's a lot of fallout. We don't know because it's been less than 24 hours since that decision was released. I don't want to review in any detail the history. If you've listened to this program for any measure of time, you know how pro-life I am, but you also know how pro-life God is. The word says, choose life. Between death and life, choose life. There are 22 verses so far that I have found that indicate that God would never support abortion virtually for any circumstance. The Roe v. Wade precedent was the worst case, Supreme Court case, in U.S. jurisprudential history, that being the Dred Scott decision, where the court said that blacks were slaves, they were not persons, they were essentially property. And, of course, uh, Harry Blackman, who wrote Roe v. Wade, wouldn't cite the worst case in U.S. history for the same proposition that he was making and stated that essentially children in the womb are just property and you can do with them as the masters did with the slaves back in the 1850s when Dred Scott was decided. But of course, he's not going to cite the worst case in U.S. jurisprudential history, but that was the only precedent for O.V. Wade, and we've talked in the past about the DNA thing. The child is not a part of the woman's body because the child has a different DNA. And that by itself should uh, destroy that argument. But but that's it for the history. You've heard that before. That's a summation of my perspective on the appropriateness of this decision. Uh, Harry Blackman's chief clerk, Harry Blackman was the, the justice that penned Roe v. Wade. His chief clerk said of of uh, Harry's decision and his reasoning, he called the decision itself an abortion because it was so lacking in any constitutional foundation or reason or logic or science. And that's what Samuel Alito picked up on, uh, not necessarily that person's opinion, but all that that clerk said was correct, and it finally has made itself into a majority opinion, which was not, as some people quickly think because of some news reports, a 6-3 decision. The overturning of Roe v. Wade was 5-4. 
John Roberts joined in upholding the Mississippi law, but the Mississippi law was not a ban on abortion. It was a significant restriction of abortion. So Roberts upheld the Mississippi law with its greater restrictions, but he voted against overturning Roe v. Wade. And I wish I had the time, maybe next program, but his reasoning is nonsensical. There is no thread of logic in anything John Roberts said in his dissent against overturning Roe v. Wade. As an attorney, I was embarrassed at what he said. But that's somewhat immaterial now, whether it was 6-3 or 5-4. Not a surprise that John Roberts, the phony, fake conservative, would go that way. But the fact is that this is an important step. Where it leads, we'll, we'll consider a couple of things in a few minutes. But it's often been said that the mark of the quality and advancement of any society is fundamentally reflected in how we treat our most vulnerable people. That's very true, very biblical. Scripture says to stand up, stand up in and for the cause of those that are appointed to die. And so I give great thanks to these justices who, risking their reputation with man, establish their reputation with God. I thank them for that, and I thank praise the Lord for all that it was done. But to the political fallout, as I mentioned, John Roberts was kind of the, the, the flake in the process here. But uh, Marco Rubio brought out something I thought that was very interesting. He said, you know, why are they protesting in New York and L.A. and all these places where abortion will remain legal? It's a good question. You know, it's, it's like we need an excuse to trash and thrash a community and have violence, even though where we're living, this decision doesn't affect us at all. I mean, do we riot because of some, some change in the law in Bangladesh or Peru or Ireland? No. And, why, and so this is an excuse. This is just the left doing what the left does well, and that is to scream, holler, and uh, commit violence firebombing and so forth when they don't get their way because not getting their way here, what the Supreme Court has done is essentially convicted pro-aborts of their sin. And they, and this is very important, this decision does not end abortion. It only ends the mandate. It's now up to the states. The, 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 the court does not prevent the states from doing whatever the heck they want to do. But the left will yell tyranny, and they are, when there's nothing imposed on anyone. There's no no imposition on anyone here to do something. The people that want an abortion can still go someplace and get one, but most of all, the states can decide. The Supreme Court didn't take away a single right. They really didn't. What they did was they shifted the determination of those rights to the states where it belongs. The left contends that this was somehow all undemocratic, that the Supreme Court is tyrannical. They didn't impose anything on anybody. They just said the states get to do what they want. In fact, what the Supreme Court did 
contrary to being tyrannical, was actually the most democratic thing to do. And I may say, you, you people decide. In other words, they gave power back to the people, i.e. the states and those in the respective states, to vote on them. I mean, if you don't like the taxes in California, what do you do? You, the people get up and they move. If you don't like the abortion statutes that or the statutes that would limit abortion or prohibit it in certain states, you can get up and move. People move all the time because of the status or difference in the laws between the states. People are fleeing New York and Connecticut and California and states of high taxation going to some place where the laws are different. There's nothing new in this. But now it's up to the people of the states. Will we kill or will we not allow the killing of innocent unborn children? It returns the power to the people for the states to decide. So the Supreme Court actually endorsed and supported the concept, and this is a great irony, actually supported and endorsed the concept of pro-choice in a political sense. The people of the states get to choose. And of course, the irony of the allegedly pro-choice people, which is really poor, pro-abort or anti-life, because a child in the womb certainly has no choice, is that they are really actually anti-choice because they don't want the states to be able to choose. They don't want the people of a state to choose. They want the government to dictate at the federal level and to overrule the will of people. This is a, this is a strike for democracy and a, and a strike against tyranny. And the left loves tyranny because it's the only way they can get done what they want done. Because the people don't want that crapola. Really informed people don't want the garbage of the left. So that's why the left has had to rule through courts. Because they couldn't get it through legislatures. For the most part. So this is a great step for democracy. The further irony is that the left in its imperious dictatorial mandates contends that the, the the power and the government to be able to dictate is somehow a mechanism for saving democracy. That's laughable. We're going to dictate this. We're going to mandate that. We're going to be in your face. Why? Because we want to preserve democracy. That's what the Supreme Court just did. So, what now? Well, this is going to, of course, further uh, divide us politically as we move closer to the secession, which we talked about yesterday, yesterday's program. You do not want to miss that program. What I did not realize, not having that decision made public about Roe v. Wade being overturned before that program was, was packaged and put out, was actually that program is with the perfect prelude to this decision in the discussion about how we are headed for a political well, a political divide that has us headed towards the country splitting in two. No question in my mind. What else does this lead to? Well, we have Biden uh, considering and claiming that we're going to have an executive order that will allow the abortion on federal property in those states that don't uh, allow for it. 
Don't know how that's going to turn out. So people will be flooding to some, what, Traverse Air Force Base, and I think that's in Texas, to get an abortion, to go to the Air Force Base to kill their innocent unborn children. Well, maybe that happens because we got, uh, you know, we got various state governments and certain branches of the federal government that are flying the rainbow flag for Queer Pride Month. So we have a federal government that's gone to the left, run by the left, owned by the left, which will not give up its power. And will they try to impose that on those states? They probably will. His other idea, though, is to pass law, a federal law, codifying a right to abortion across the United States. Now, I think this is problematic because what we have is the Supreme Court just gets done striking down the very thing, the very tool that Biden now wants to do, a federal abortion mandate. That's what the court just struck down. So he said, so it's sort of Biden saying, well, if they're going to strike down this federal mandate by the court, we're going to we're going to go to Congress and have a federal mandate. The only difference here, the only difference is whether there's a distinction between Congress passing the mandate versus a court imposing the mandate. Does Congress have a right to do that which the Roe v. Wade court did not have a right to do? I think the similarities are so close, however, that this court, unpacked, they don't pack it, this court will take the same route that this is a state matter and that the federal government has overreached. I do not know that, however. I mean, there, there could be justices on the five side, the five, the five versus four. The four losers, Breyer, Breyer Sotomayor, Kagan, and Roberts, will certainly uphold a federal law establishing this so-called right. Well, federal law is not to create rights. Rights are created in the Constitution. And this trampling of the state rights, I still think and would like to believe that the five would hold up if that happens. So the next consequence of this, which is uh, which has been happening, but this is going to accelerate. We have never had in the history of record keeping in this country more people than in the last five years who have moved for political reasons. They have moved to want to be around people who think like them, believe like them, act like them. They want to be around people of like mind. So I anticipate that this is going to accelerate greatly. And when a state makes a righteous move, it won't have an immediate impact, but I truly believe God will bless those states in due course and they will prosper. The anti-life states, the ones that hate innocent children in the womb so much they'd allow them to kill them a choice, like California, New York, Massachusetts, Illinois, the whole left coast, for that matter, are going to engage in various forms in what is being called horrifically abortion tourism. That has already started. The presumption that there is financial and economic benefit of being a haven to provide a slaughter of the unborn. So if God is going to judge the pro-life states favorably 
and bless them, then I can only conclude that God will judge negatively the the life-hating states, especially, especially since now we have a choice. Pro-choice. Do you want to live where babies are slaughtered or do you want to live where babies are protected? Consider California's bill that will allow the mother to let the child die for the first 30 days after birth. That's right. That's that bill. It hasn't It's passed a bunch of committees, but it hasn't passed. The legislature hasn't been signed by Newsom. But I think the devil is so energized in places like California that it will pass. And the dark will become darker. And I hope that for a while, anyway, the light becomes lighter. And God will deal with those accordingly. So, the divide widens. Uh, Something to understand here historically. The Civil War was not a feature of just an incident or two that occurred over a very short period of time before the Confederates bombed Fort Sumter. No, it was something that was stewing and brewing for a considerable period of time, a long time, just like abortion, which has been around for, what, 50 years, right? So the federal mandate is lifted 50 years after it was launched. Slavery was an issue for many decades before 1860. It was growing. It was was becoming a greater issue all the time. And then, of course, it precipitated into the event that it did. Do we have civil war? Will we have civil war? I don't know. I'm convinced the country will split and we will have a secession. But I'm not going to get into that so much today. Listen to yesterday's program. Listen to next week's program when we will deal with that in greater measure as to why would this cause or accelerate the issue of the country breaking in two. Because I tend to think that that's what's going to happen. So this has reversed this federal abortion mandate, but in so doing, it it does convict the anti-life people of sin. This is why there's all the screaming, the violence, the destruction of property, the firebombing of of crisis pregnancy centers in in locations where it will always be okay to slaughter innocent unborn children. But there is now the biblical application in the book of First Kings. And I'm not going to go into chapter and verse here, but we have the paradigm set down in Scripture of Israel being split. And it was split because of sin. Those who wanted righteousness, or at least had the appearance of wanting righteousness, and those that were decidedly given over to the dark side and choosing that which was ungodly. You had the two tribes, Judah and Benjamin, that made the initial launch for righteousness. And then you had the ten tribes, which never, ever had one single godly king in all their existence until God had had it with them, and they were hauled off to Assyria. Now, eventually, Judah went south. But it didn't start out that way. They had a pursuit of righteousness, at least on the surface, 
which God honored, and they had some really good kings, like Hezekiah and Asa and Josiah were fabulous kings. But this is, but but the but the rest of Israel went the other direction, and they that and God ordained that split because of the pursuit of sin. And it may well be, I think it will be, that the left will become so ungodly that they will establish, they will try to establish the moral propriety of their position, which is really immoral, by becoming yet more immoral. That's the direction. So, interestingly, we see in Scripture something that, um, I think this is something else that will play out how the righteous priests and the good people that were stuck in the bad tribes of Israel, the ones that decided they wanted to go as towards the immoral end of the, of the previous nations, the ones that pursu- had child sacrifice and aberrant and homosexual sex and sodomy and all of these things and all the idolatry, there were priests and others that moved from those areas in which those tribes were established, to Judah, to Jerusalem, to be among around those of like-minded and like-pursuit people, to be a part of that portion of the country that either had was righteous or at least had a semblance of righteousness. Now, this has been, is, and will further occur here. And Judah, for all of its righteousness, ultimately went south and became idolatrous, and God judged it. And so the question, will will some pro-life states waffle? Will some split? If the, if the past is prologue, then the Israel division in Scripture would be a paradigm for our future. And the answer would be yes. But that's not a certainty. It can be different or certainly different for a period of time. doesn't change our task. But look at all of the companies that are quickly promising their employees that they will send them all-expense-paid trip to California to slaughter your unborn child. And California is welcoming them in their newer tourist industry, abortion tourism. We're going to cover more of that in the future. I don't want to get into it today because these companies, some of them have been very quick to roll out the all-expense-paid vacation to kill your children. But I want to give it more detail next week. I want to stick to this immediate fallout. But expect that to increase. And we will help you identify what companies you no longer want to do business with. Most of them I don't do business with now, but I'm going to have to make some further changes. I am going to vote with my feet if I have to from a state that if it goes the wrong way, and I will vote with my dollars. And I hope you consider doing the same. But the good states, those who honor God, God will honor. Now, you've got other issues to deal with, and they are coming up. They absolutely are coming up. And, and um, 
Justice Thomas said we have three other precedents that were ill-founded that we need to deal with because they all came out of the same uh, origin. Roe v. Wade was founded upon a made-up right of privacy that does not exist in the Constitution. You say, we, we have no privacy rights? Well, sure we have privacy rights. That which, you know, a husband and wife do in the bedroom and all sorts of things. We, we've got all sorts of privacy rights that were assumed, like the right of self-defense, which I covered extensively in yesterday's program. We, those have been assumed. They didn't need to be spelled out because anybody with half a brain would know that you have those rights because they were established from biblical precedent and from custom and from tradition. This is how we have lived as a Christian country. The right of privacy that Harry Blackman and his cohorts created was something that had no roots in, cu in custom, culture, or Christianity. It was a made-up right to, of privacy to commit sin, which... Now you know where I'm going, right? Homosexual marriage. I can guarantee you that's one of the three things Clarence Thomas is focusing on. It's time to, and because it grew out of Roe v. Wade and the fabricated right to privacy to do that which has been sinful, unlawful, ungodly for the entire time of this United States. They had to create a right to make it constitutional. But that right had no place. It was unfairly, and Alito brings this out, it's unfairly associated with the right of privacy in the Constitution, not in the Constitution, but that which was assumed because they were cultural and historical rights that were assumed by the founders, not this made-up phony baloney crapola like Harry Blackman the Roe v. Wade court, and the queer marriage court. It's made up. Did not So if the, if the right that was falsely created in Roe v. Wade is also the right upon which some other decisions uh, are falsely made, such as the homosexual marriage case, those need to go down for the same reason. Will it outlaw queer marriage? No. It'll just outlaw them in the states that want to outlaw it, so it's more power to the people. This Supreme Court is actually returning incrementally authority to the individuals to be pro-choice in the political sense. That's amazing. And so the good states that will stay true to the word and pursue God's way will be blessed. And hopefully, the other states will see that blessing, but I will tell you, the other states that go have gone south will not connect as a state the blessing of a state like Texas or South Dakota or, or Kentucky. They will not associate that blessing with having made good moral decisions. They'll... The people in some states will make the connection, and that's when they vote with their feet and with their money and all of that. But if the 
Oberfeld case, the, the homosexual marriage case, gets set aside, doesn't won't set aside queer marriage. It'll just simply set aside the mandate. Wow. It will be, as I heard growing up, Katie bar the door. I have no idea how that expression came about, but I know what it means. It just means, hey, look out, because the hordes are coming. Look out. But for now, I have to simply say, praise the Lord for the work that our God, who sits on the throne, has done through human tools for those Supreme Court justices who might have waffled, but they didn't, with the threats the insinuations, the intimidations, the calling for their execution right outside their front doors stood true and stood firm. God has protected them. God will bless them. They will, whether they go down in the annals of American history as some of the greatest justices ever, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Because those who have given their heart to the Lord and they stand up like this, they're in God's Hall of Fame. And I thank them for that. And thank, most of all, the Lord for the work that he did through them. So we need to rejoice. We need to celebrate. But don't rejoice and celebrate too long. Because while we're celebrating and rejoicing, the enemy, the cockroaches, the termites they are, they're 24-7 in trying to destroy this country. They don't sleep. They never sleep. So we really can't celebrate too long. Have a, have a nice party. And and then get back to work in prayer and in action. And I will say this in conclusion. My last word for the day. When you are considering planning your next vacation, considering going to some states that you just may want to live in, some states that may end up being part of, what would the new name be, the real United States of America, or the original United States of America? Why don't you listen to next week? Listen to yesterday's program. I give you about 17 or 18 states that I think will leave. Take a trip to some or more of them. I have law clients that are doing that very thing. I've told them, check them out. I got one that's on the, on the road as I speak, checking out states to see where it might be a place to go to. Now, this is not a case of run and hide. This is a, isn't a case of withdrawing. It's a case of moving to a place where you can take up a position of defense because the enemy is relentless in taking down any vestige of righteousness. If you're in California, Washington, Oregon, Hawaii, Massachusetts, Illinois, New York, all of those pro-lib states that will continue to pursue darkness and the elevation and exaltation of sin and ungodliness. If you're in those states, I'm not telling you to leave. But just know that if you're there doing nothing, you're wasting your time. If you're there, be a missionary. Be strong. Run for office. Turn things around. Be part of the solution, but not a useless Nothing. Don't be the big nothing burger in a state that needs help. Either get out to protect the states that will come under pressure to change or be a missionary while you are there. Robin Walter with the Robin Walter Show. God bless you, and we'll see you, who knows, how many days down the road. Just a few probably because that's how fast things are breaking. 
Sit tall in the saddle, America. Remember, you ride for the brand, the brand of Jesus.